All right. Um, this really means a lot to me. So uh, I know that this sold out pretty quickly, and we were really pumped, man. It, it made all of us with the show feel really cool. It's been uh, it's been a weird year and a half after the radio show, doing that slot for 10 years, and then saying, F it, I'm moving out to Manhattan Beach, and uh, we're going to see how the podcast does. And it's been great to live up the street, to call this place home, be hanging out here for years when I was coming out here for work. So we wanted to do something really cool, something unique that I don't think you're ever going to get anywhere else. we got Bill Simmons, my partner on The Ringer, and from Fox Sports, Colin Cowherd. So we're going to hang out. We're going to talk some sports. And um, there's a couple groupies back there that we would like people to leave alone. That was supposed to be a joke. And uh, there's some pot stickers up here. <laughs> and Cowherd's going to take my seat. Supposed to be the middle. No, no, we're good. We're good. Oh, sorry about that. <clears throat> all right, so we'll, I think we'll do a little Q and A a little bit later. We'll just uh, kind of see how this is going. Um, all right, so I think the cool thing about this is that you're arguably the top guy in your thing, and um, Colin is certainly the case for sports talk. Yeah, that day. goes without saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Um, uh, we all, I think the cool thing about what we've done over the years is I think we all talk to a lot of people behind the scenes. Yeah. And that's always a little more challenging at times. So how often do you think, I'll start with Bill, when you get something, because I know how I can be about it, where it feels a little bit in that gray area, but you kind of want to share it. You know you can, but you have to be delicate about it. But then you're afraid because of your influence that if you do it, that you know it's going to cause some some reaction to it well it's the aggregators we're always afraid of you say something and it gets pulled out with the headline and then it becomes a bigger story than the context of it and how you said it like i'm sitting on 240 Kyrie stories right now and i can't <laughs> say any of them but they're you know they're practically pouring out of my body and and he's gonna leave and i'm gonna not be able to help myself a couple of times probably with you when we're taping in the back of my house at like 10.30 at night, I'm going to end up saying dumb, some dumb Kyrie story. It won't turn into a blog post, and I'll be an ass. I guess we're going to swear on this podcast. That's yeah, always, sorry. That's always the tougher thing with the ringer. I feel like I'm afraid when I go get on Get Up now, I'm like, wait a minute. i got to remember that I'm not with Bill. But mm. I mean, the same case with you. Like you and I, and the cool thing is I'm, I'm, I'm friends. We're all friends. You know, We've known each other a long time. So we'll talk. We're like, hey, you're hearing this or whatever. But like when you get stuff. When you're like, this is a really good segment, it's a really good tease, but I'm not sure how to handle this. Or you just let it fly. Whoa, I go with it. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think one thing you and I, because of the radio thing, whereas Bill has his, you do stuff that's first it was print, then it's uh, podcasting. So your business is slightly different than ours, which is more generally tends to be live radio. Uh, you and I do a lot of, we call talk a lot about sourcing and we call. And I think there's a lot of different ways to do journalism. Um, the journalism, I think I'm a, I think I'm a quasi-journalist. I would say small-J journalist. But today I talk with an NFL general manager and Daryl Morey. And he was on the air, and then I'll text him afterwards. And my takeaway is journalism is changing, at least in my business, which is when I listen to radio, one of the things I always liked about Bill or Ryan, I know they have sources. A lot of people talk. But I can turn on a radio and 90% of people are saying things and I'm like, well, that's not true because I just talked to the GM of the Rams or the GM of the Colts. So, the so those are your two, only two NFL sources? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think basically what I do for a living is text people all day. 
and read as much as I can and go with about half of it. I'm not going to burn my sources. But I also think I, I am not working at the New York Times, so I can dance around stuff. I'll say to a source, listen, I'm going to go here. Can I go here and avoid there? Yeah. So there's a lot. If you listen to my show regularly, you guys can tell if I, I had information, but I didn't want to plant my stick on it. So I talk way less to people than I used to because I became convinced over the course of this decade that just about everybody's full of shit. And – Using us for whatever purpose they have. And it became so hard for me to figure out who was actually telling me something that I have gravitated more toward. The people I talk to now I actually completely trust versus why is this person reaching out to me? Why is this agent trying to make friends with me and feed me stuff? What is their angle? I'm always trying to think of it like what is the other person getting out of giving me to this? And I just think it's really easy now – to butter up people. And I'm also with sources and stuff, especially with the NBA, and you do this too because we've talked about it. You always know who the source is for just about when any I read story that else's comes story? out. I know yeah, who everybody's right. sources are. Every major reporter, <laughs> I know who their four people are. So I know where the stuff's coming from. I know what the agendas are. And I, to me, there's, there's, it's just, it's kind of changed because the information game has become so commoditized. I don't really totally know who to trust. So that was actually going to be kind of a follow-up because, like, I always think about to when I first started and how often I would talk to people. And at first, it was just a numbers thing. You'd be like, oh, my gosh, I have 32 NBA contacts. I'm the man. And then you're like, yeah, 16 of them hate your guts. Like, they don't even like you. And then the other thing I always notice, too, is that, like, when you're talking to a guy in a front office and all he does, all he does is destroy people you work with, you're like, this must mean as soon as I get off the phone with him, he's telling everybody Zorcillo's a clown. Yeah. Um, but there was a guy who lied to me about a second-round draft pick who was basically telling me because of where this country was from, this, this pick who had never played in the NBA, and he's like, so many owners are in on this guy. And it was absurd because I had watched him play. He wasn't that good, and he ended up never playing in the league, and then it ended up being a guy I didn't want to talk to anymore because he thought in some dumb way by him talking up this second rounder that no one had even paid attention to that I was going to get on the phone and be like, oh, by the way, you should check in on this other team's guy. Like it was such a terrible, transparent attempt to BS me that it turns you into like going, you know, I don't really want to talk to this guy that much anymore. So like can you think of a time when you were lied to just flat out? Uh <sighs> Um, Colin, you've been lied to. No, I, th- I know I have <laughs> many times. <laughs> Probably today. I, I, I think people, not by your kids. I think people have. I, I tend to be really specific. If somebody, I think they're I, they're not giving me a specific. I'll, I'll, I say I will say this. I've had people say things to me, and I'm like, I don't trust that. So I'm not sure they're lying to me, but I don't like their information. Right. So is that lying to me? Yeah. So this is something. I'm I'm a has-been writer at this point, and I haven't written in about a year. But um, the last, like, five years, I was really writing my column. Hi, Sal. I got good at uh, – I got good at <laughs> – so weird. The last five years or so that I had my column, I got really good, I felt, at getting different pieces of information – and using it without saying, like, this person told me this, this person told me that. Use the information to kind of form my own opinion. And then being able to color in as I wrote whatever piece. Right. Pieces, like, which is really, you know, David Halberstam, who had a totally different style than I did. But if you read Breaks of the Game, which is the best sports book of all time about the Blazers 40 years ago, he he doesn't really use quotes that much. He He tells the story of all these different people based on the reporting that he did. 
and then writes it almost like it's a fictional story. And um, I like when people do that over the anonymous quote, this GM told me this. I, I never totally know what to believe with stuff like that. And I also don't really trust the sourcing. I think it's a really complicated time right now. Okay, um, you kind of touched on the. We did most of the political stuff upstairs, so we're going to skip that for the podcast. Oh uh, man, how about you guys those primaries, huh? It's a uh, hot five <laughs> minutes up there on the second floor. Okay, uh, it feels like nationally, and I don't know if it's just fans, but it feels like a lot of media are as anti-Boston as they've ever been. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> Here's the thing. When you so I lived in Connecticut for ten years, and I'm a West Coast guy. So 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 is my friend Carissa, who never, by the way, comes to my events. But uh, okay, all right. So it's only uh, good for two drinks. The the Northeast is. I really appreciate. I'd never lived there, so I I've doubted around the country, but I'd never lived in the Northeast. And one of the reasons I wanted to go out there, I'm like, I want to be in this sort of, like, tunnel of intensity. And I loved it. But I, I tell this – in fact, it was weird. I told the story today about Boston. So <laughs> – I can't wait for this. This is – no, it's Are true. You right? So I might go. I, so when I was in Connecticut, I met this uh, this gym owner because I like to get my swole on, right? Yeah, gym so, culture. <laughs> so I, met, I meet this guy, and he opens up in the New Canaan, Darien, Greenwich area a gym. And he goes, it was really competitive. There were a bunch of gyms. He goes, we hit it right out out of the chute. He goes, so two years later, I open up a gym in the northern part of Connecticut, which is very Boston connected. He goes, it was a crappy gym area. We thought we'd kill it. He goes, we almost had to close after two years. He goes, because the people in the northern part of Connecticut, Boston people, fences make good neighbors, very parochial, very tribal when my wife, who's Irish, would go to Boston, she was always like, I always feel like a visitor. When we would go to New York, people talk a million miles an hour. It's a very frenetic city. But New Yorkers aren't rude. They're just in a hurry. And I found Boston, if you're not from there, man, you feel like an outsider. New York, Ellis Island, I mean, it's like the land of people from elsewhere, very welcoming. So my buddy who owned this gym was like... <laughs> We couldn't believe it. We thought we were going to go up to Boston and slay it. He goes, people just weren't willing to give us. We were outsiders. So there's a lot of reasons why Boston, it should be attractive for everybody, but it is a different city. In fact, I wrote this one time. It's highly educated, 51 universities. It likes itself. Sweet. It's the only city where you vacation. Boston people vacation in Martha's Vineyard, Nantucket. They, or the Cape. Or the Cape. So unlike New Yorkers who go to Florida, Chicago people go to Naples, Dallas people go to Colorado, Seattle people go to Arizona, Boston people go, let's get in a ferry and go 12 minutes. When you go to school in Boston, when you go to school in Boston... I think Cohn's doing his act now. This no, is no, great. No, I mean, I've literally, I've thought about this. So when you grow up in Boston, you're in sixth grade in Boston, sixth, seventh grade. I'm a Seattle kid. Plymouth Rock. Birth of the country. In Boston schools, they tell you this. We're the home. This is where the country started. You believe in Boston. You absolutely believe from the first time you open a book, this is the birth of the country. And I think it's just this innate, inherent personality that's part of Boston. You vacation in your own city. 
And so I do think there's, there's, there's this like invisible fence with Boston that doesn't feel welcoming to outsiders. I, I do have two friends from Boston that promised me they'd be at this, and then they were like, hey, the flights are a mess. And um, I think you and I would both agree. Am I wrong? Uh, I, my Boston friends are notoriously the worst at going to anything that isn't down the street. So I would, I would be able to back you up on some of that. I also think all these championships in the last 20 years have pissed a lot of people off, too. Yeah, but here's the thing with that. So we've won 12 championships this century. We also we haven't won an NBA title in 11 years. We haven't won a Super Bowl in like six months, five months. We lost Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. We only won four World Series this year. There, there was like, there's been 18 World Series. We just won four of them. I just feel like it's the stuff's overrated. It's overrated. Yeah, it's 12 titles is not a lot, is it? Boss is a little overrated. Feels I, like we could add 20. I think. Well, I do think though that there is this. Like I, I've gotten into some arguments with some close friends, and they have been like, "No, no, no. Boston is is way worse now because of the success." I'm like, "Do you guys?" Honestly, think if Philadelphia won 12 titles in two decades, they'd be really friendly about it? Like, that's ridiculous. You think New York would just be like, oh, yes, we were very modest with our success, and we're just, you know, a bunch of laid-back New Yorkers that keep winning all these titles. Like, I had to... The, the seething anger I used to feel on the inside as a 20-something just by seeing that Yankees hat, knowing that my team sucked compared to theirs, like, that was a real thing. That was our DNA for yeah. most of our lives. Yeah, I mean, I look at the Yankees, 96 to 2000. It was the worst. And no by offense, the end of it, I mean, right. yeah, they, it just felt like like they owned us. And 2003, I think you could throw in there as well. Yeah. But, but I think the funny thing with Colin not being from there, because the anti-Boston thing is definitely real. Part of its success... I don't know what it is, but like I have, I have people that I work with at ESPN, and I go, this guy hates Boston. This guy's hating Boston. I think the Kyrie stuff, when it's over, and I think this is something you and I have talked about, like when Kyrie leaves, those conversations are going to get really weird. And I think a bunch of people are going to pick up on that and start being anti the city. But then I also remember a couple times of Cowher early in my career where he would stop me in the hallway and go, hey, I think you're pretty good, but um, you, know, you could just loosen up a little bit. <laughs> you, you could lose a little of that Northeast thing. It's and real. What, I try to. No, I think you've loosened up a little. By the way, can you drink during a podcast? Yes. Can we get another vodka soda up here for Cowherd? I went. Thank listen, you. I went. I went 16 years without a drink. Then I turned 17. So come on. <laughs> All my A material tonight. <laughs> I, know, I know. I feel like I didn't know I, I, my stand-up routine isn't as good. So I, I had this thing I was going to close with. Now I don't really know if I want to follow you. It's going to be like an episode of Crashing. Um, okay. I will, I will say, though, when I was growing up, we had villains, right? And it's just the way it worked. It was the Yankees. It was the Canadians. It was the Cowboys. It was the Steelers. There were the Thank teams you. that were winning a lot. And then everybody else was kind of united that they hated those teams because those teams were doing well. I never thought Boston would be in that situation. Like, we from 1986 to... I don't know when the Pats beat the Rams. That 15 years was really dark, like, especially like by the end of the late 90s. Jerry, I remember Jerry Callahan was calling uh, what was it called Loserville. Loserville, yeah. And uh, it was just dark, and it makes me think like it really could like to me anything's realistic now. Like the Clippers getting Kawhi and ripping off five titles in seven years, like sure, I would I would the Warriors becoming the team of the decade was inconceivable eight years ago, and they became the team of the decade. So I, I just feel like. It, to me, it's the ownership that matters more than the city. You know, like you look at the governorship. Sorry, uh, 
You look at the Knicks, the Knicks are going to get shut out of free agency. It's amazing. You have all these teams that have cap space. They have, you know, probably the most fans of any NBA team. And they're going to get shut out. There's eight marquee free agents. They're going to go 0 for 8. And the only reason is because of the owner. There's no other reason. Nobody wants to play for that guy. And until he sells the team, that's not going to change. I think Belichick, I have a theory on this. So everybody knows Vin Scully. So Vin Scully was so great as an announcer in Los Angeles. You were not allowed to be a homer as a broadcaster in Los Angeles because Vin set the, the bar. So if you were a homer, you were a hack in Los Angeles. You had to be at least somewhat dignified, well-read, articulate because Vin set the table for L.A. broadcasters. Belichick's done the same for New England. That Belichick basically stole a Red Sox city and made it a patriot town. And he's so academic and so smart that Bruin executives and Celtics executives and everybody in the city is like, oh, for Christ's sake, you have to embrace analytics. So raising the bar for Belichick has won and has literally taken the blue-collar football guy and made a mockery of it. So you think James Dolan's done the opposite in New York? Well, the difference is you don't have a Belichick there. Parcells and Belichick left. Belichick has set a standard in Boston, which is a bright city anyway. Embrace analytics. Be the smartest team in the league. If you're, if you don't, you look so small compared to the Patriots who are just smarter than everybody. And I think this, the same Scully equivalent. The Belichick permeates. I guarantee you in the Bruins, the Celtics, there is a shadow cast by Belichick. He has set the standard. Forget the league. Can you imagine living in the city with him? as an executive, and competing against him. They're just smarter than everybody. I mean, they don't, they don't pay anybody. And so it makes more the teams in Boston reticent to overpay for players. You win through systems. Brad Stevens has a system. And I think, I think that it permeates every front office in Boston. I do want to talk about free agency off of that um, because – in the NBA, it doesn't matter what your analytics are. Like you're, you're gonna maybe get one of these guys and everybody else is gonna miss out. You know, this is a deeper free agency crowd than ever before, but I always feel not bad for fan bases, but almost like when they don't understand it, they go, Oh, we got cap space and look what happened. You're like, cap space doesn't guarantee you anything. You know, whenever you lose and, and you're in the lottery, it doesn't guarantee you anything. And I feel like there's always, there's always 10 failed fan bases that feel like there's the ones that got screwed when it's like, no, there's only a couple, but there's so many more players now in this class. But with three guys specifically, if you're Kawhi and you bailed on the Spurs, which I believe he bailed on the Spurs. Okay. I agree. And then he goes to Toronto and win, wins a ring and a finals MVP. Do you think you can, t- you can't tell him anything? If you're Durant and you already have two rings and granted you're going to miss this whole year, but with how everything went, I don't think you can tell him anything. And then even Kyrie, who I think is impossible to read unless you can, I don't know what your sundial background is. I mean, I look at his Instagram sometimes and I'm just like, this is, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, what the hell is, Adult Swim wouldn't run this. Um, <laughs> But Kyrie hits one of the biggest shots in the history of that league. Like, who would he listen to? So I think what we have here is not what we kind of grew up with where it was Jordan chasing. And I always think it's funny to talk to younger fans about this, but, like, Jordan seven years in to not be winning a title, like, if he had done that in current day, it would be just – but he did get trashed. He did get trashed in whatever the version of getting trashed in the 80s was, but Jordan was trashed. Like, oh, he's just a scorer, he's selfish, takes too many shots, it doesn't matter. But with those three guys I just mentioned – 
their motivation, I would think, would be so different, and the ability to influence them would be so different because those guys aren't chasing anything other than maybe just happiness. They're not chasing the ring the way we've seen it go for the last, I don't know, eight or nine years since LeBron went to Miami. It became a ring-chasing league, and now I'm starting to think, you know, the top of these guys, like Jimmy Butler might be chasing a ring. Who cares? The fact is, those guys are just going to be looking at this differently, I would think. Kawhi, I, like, he could come to the Clippers and not care if he doesn't have the best team, as opposed to having a better chance of running it back with Toronto. I think the most interesting thing that's happened in the last month is KD blows out his Achilles. And we've always been told, you do these one-and-done deals, or you kind of mess around, you don't take the max. And But, the, you know, the catch is, if you get hurt, you're screwed. Well, KD's not screwed. He's going to get the max. And I went from thinking there was no way Kawhi would ever go back because he's going to, he wants to live here at some point. He's going to take the max. He can't mess around. He can't do the one and one and, you know, the, what Durant just got burned with. But now I'm starting to wonder, is it conceivable he comes back and he does the one and one and he knows a year from now he's still the top free agent a year from now, whether he blows out his ACL or tears his Achilles, he's still going to get that money. That has changed the parameters for me. And I think the reason for why these guys have that luxury now is so many teams have cap space every year. And the contracts are shorter. The teams are smarter at not giving $64 million to Luol Dang and $65 million to Timothy Mozgov. Like, you're not going to see those. Sorry, guys. That was uh, back to back. So the first one we thought. Uh, but you're not. You're not going to see those contracts as much because the teams are a little bit smarter with how they're spending. So there's just more cap space, which means everybody is going to take the Durant risk, which would have been inconceivable five years ago. To pay for a guy for four years max, like one, like 180, and he's not going to play for a year? Did you ever think you would see that in your life? I don't understand most of the moves. I don't understand. I, I've said this. If I was Kevin Durant, and I went, if I went to my wife and I said, listen, we're going to make a big move. She'd like, oh, the money's way better. New. No, I'm giving up $10 million. Oh, the boss, the management's great. Oh, no, it's terrible. <laughs> well, the, your coworkers will energize you. <laughs> They're terrible. Well, why would you want to go? I just want to be the man. She'd grab an effing spatula and beat me with it. Kevin Durant's making a tragic move. He's leaving an A-plus owner, an A-plus coach, an A-plus GM, the best star teammate ever. And but a D-minus D medical staff, but keep oh, going. Well, <laughs> had to. But I don't understand. Isn't it about winning? But see, I think that's my point is that, look, LeBron changed everything in 2010. So then those guys get together and you're like, all right, well, you know, and anybody that wants to like give them a hard time because they didn't win right out of the shoot to win two and go to four finals, like, let's not be that complicated here and, and give people a, you know, a C. You're like, no, that's a raging A plus. Like you went to four finals, you won two finals. And then after that, we saw Golden State emerge, but that wasn't by design the same way until Durant goes there. But then, you know, Houston was trying different versions of it. I mean, hell, Oklahoma City, at once they lost Durant, then got Paul George, they thought they were joining the arms race with going after Melo. That, like, there's, there are guys right now, like, Chris Paul must be basketball miserable. Miserable, okay? And by the way, I know he is. So I'll just go yeah. ahead and add that one out there. 
he he doesn't want to be there, but he's also realizing like this thing is almost over, and I'm one of the great statistical point guards of all time, and like I can't even get a sniff at one of these things. His motivations would be different than Durant, as you're pointing out, because even if Durant oddly can't ever seem to be happy, can you imagine him without the finals? Can you imagine that guy without the rings and what would be influencing his decisions right now? Because it wouldn't be the Knicks. There'd be no way he'd be freaking out. He'd be going, I'm 30, and I'm going to go to the Knicks now and play with Kevin Knox and R.J. Barrett. But the thing is, if he doesn't get hurt and they just win the finals or whatever happens, I do think there was a world in which he went to the Knicks and they traded for A.D. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that like, was real. I, that, to me, that injury sets off 17 sliding door moments. I, I still think him – OKC not beating Golden State in 2016 was the all-time sliding doors moment for this decade because – that sets off this whole chain of events. Like if they win the title, I think if they get through that series and then he can't go to Golden State and he probably stays in OKC, the Warriors thing doesn't happen. And, the, and it's like taking a snow globe and just juggling the next five seasons. Um, I think this, this KD injury was like that too because the Knicks went from we might get KD, Kyrie or Kemba and Davis to, hey, Julius Randle, he's, we might be able to get him. Like, that's unbelievable. It's a 180 from what they were looking at three weeks ago. Yeah, and I, that's the thing is that when I've, when I've talked to people about it, it's just, okay, it's almost like thinking about Kevin Durant next year. Like, I don't know if it means he would stay one year with Golden State. I don't know if it means, and I know there's all sorts of other things floating around there right now, but he still would, to your original point. Like, even though I thought the one-and-ones with the Paul George injury, he still got all of his money. Durant's still going to get all of his money, even if he were going to leave. Like, I thought guys might start going to one-on-ones because we grew up with dudes. The incumbent team were seven-year max contracts. I mean, that was ridiculous. Can we just a quick tangent to talk about one of the most annoying sports media trends? Because it happened today. Houston, very interested in Jimmy Butler in a sign-and-trade. It's like there's no other team that is involved in a sign-and-trade. You can just leak these things now. You talked to Daryl. What did he say about that? No, like I I could (laughs) – I could leak something to, I don't know, John Oran to be like – the ringer very interested in Colin Coward. It's like, well, he's under contract. We're not getting him. It's impossible. But somehow that will become a story. You can just basically say you like anybody. You're trying to think about whatever with whatever. And then it becomes an actual story. Like people are trying to figure out how they're going to get Jimmy Well, Butler. I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a dance. When I grew up, there was newspaper people. And that's who you – that's where you look to them empirically as they had the stuff. Now you've got – I mean, there's – and this is nothing against the people who are doing it, but Rob Palinka is feeding certain media members just to protect – Is Palinka here? That was actually I mean, what you, you, you have sources in the league that have – they'll take these bloggers and they'll just give them stuff because – like Palinka is getting crushed in the mainstream media from people that have followings. So Polinka will leak stuff to one or two bloggers. I mean, there's one or two of them out there. They're good kids, but they're like 22. They have one source. I mean, they have one source, and it's like, and they're you know taunting their source. And I'm like, it's clearly Polinka feeding somebody so that he doesn't look bad in that debt, that trade that screwed up eight million in cap space. So I, I just think it's a big dance. You have GMs. Everybody's trying to protect their real estate. My theory on all this stuff is everybody's a 51 year old guy making seven figures that has two daughters in a prep school and doesn't want to move again. 
So he's doing everything he can to keep his daughters in this Trinity prep school. Every, every city is the same thing. Is the guy started in college, grad assistant, college coordinator, got a job. I mean, all these GMs are just trying to keep getting paid. There's like four that have – even Daryl Morey, the Fertitas, who I grew up in Vegas, Uh-oh. the Fertitas are very impatient – and they, they don't settle for losing. Like, they're great people. They're brilliant, but they're impatient. Daryl Morey could be out of a job in a year. Well, the, the Houston thing is hilarious just based on everything you're saying because think about that. Like, all right, the sign-and-trade rumor comes out. But two weeks before the Chris Paul stuff blew up, Woj had a story that Daryl Morey was basically saying everybody's available except for Harden. And then two weeks later, it's like Paul wants out, and then Morey's like, no, he isn't. And we're like, you just... You offered up that everybody was in play. And, it's a big dance. And honestly, Daryl, we we were impressed with you enough. We know you're smart enough to want to get the hell away from Chris Paul's contract. So it wouldn't make any sense. Don't you think everybody is just basically – I mean, seriously. It comes down – everything basically – you can synthesize every issue down to something very simple. People are just trying to – NBA executive jobs are great jobs. To be a general manager. There's 30, 32. Well, right? you talk about the job preservation trade, right? Yes, like, that's what it is. Where – at some point, you go all in if you think you're going to get fired. The Blake Griffin trade's a good example, right? Stan Van Gundy, they basically they roll the dice. If it doesn't work out, he's going anyway. Those are the what worst, What does he care too, about his draft right? picks? Polinka, he has to get Anthony Davis. He's getting fired if he doesn't get Anthony Davis. Griffin knows this, and he's like, well, we'll take this. We'll take this. Oh, we'll take 23. Can we get a pick swap in 24? Um 25, yeah, we'll take that too. And Plink is like, ah, sure. I, I'm not going to be here anyway. Take everything. I don't care. I can, can I keep Kuzma? And he just gets raked over the coals. Now they have two and a half players and 23 million to spend because he couldn't even figure out the freaking date to make the trade. So it's like, here's Pat Beverly, one of the Morris twins, and Costa Kufis. Here's what we did. I like Kufis We're off good. the match. Back you like in the day. Off the like back Is he in the a sleeper? day. Yeah, a little some touch. <laughs> Top little stretch you out you? a little bit. Okay. Okay, we'll have more from Colin and Bill live from Manhattan Beach coming up right after this. Summer's here, and you know what that means? It's barbecue season. And if you're like me, you'll be serving your friends and family the incredible meat from Butcher Box. A huge box of meat showed up for me the other day, and I was like, what is this? And it was all from Butcher Box. This is a true story. Because I was like, man, this is a ton of meat. Oh, that's right. I'm doing reads for these guys now. There was bacon, chicken, beef. Um, and I'm pretty fired up about it. So I'm telling you, you'll probably be fired up about it too. And it'll be less of a surprise because you'll have ordered it. From grass-fed beef to free-range organic chicken to wild-caught sockeye salmon from Bristol Bay, Alaska. Boy, that is specific. ButcherBox has over 20 different cuts of meat to choose from with customizable boxes and a variety of other options to choose from. They work closely with the best farms and companies committed to raising animals humanely. This ensures not only an ethical process, but one that results in a better quality, better tasting, nutrient-dense meat. Man, I'm hooked. I can't wait to eat some of this tonight. With no added hormones or antibiotics ever. ButcherBox is delivered right to your door with free shipping. And a month's worth of the meat from ButcherBox comes out to less than six bucks a meal. Whether you're cooking for your friends and family or just yourself, ButcherBox has the cuts and options you need to make every meal a memorable one. So here's the deal. ButcherBox is offering new members free bacon for the life of your subscription. Uh, this is my first time reading this. Didn't proofread it. I can't believe that's accurate. But it is. Plus, that's free. Wait a minute. Like, think about that sentence. Free bacon for life. 
of your subscription. Plus $20 off your first box when you sign up at butcherbox.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. You heard that right. That's free bacon for the life of your subscription. Plus $20 off your first box. You actually can't afford to not do this. Butcherbox.com slash Ryan. That's butcherbox.com slash Ryan. Enjoy your bacon. I want to ask you guys something different now um, because this Lakers stuff. I don't want to get thrown out of here. Uh, I, how many actual Laker fans are here? A lot? Yeah? That's that, lower than I thought. What about you, Clippers do fans? You think, do you think you gave up too One much guy. for Davis? Split. So you do the trade again. It sounds like a no. It sounds like 50-50. Really? Oh, no. <laughs> Mostly no. A couple yeses. A couple yeses. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah, uh, that's right. To get rid of LeVar. We, we forgot about the LeVar transaction. Do you think you could have ever? Collins guy. Could you, it's could a, you do, um, <laughs> one of my best sources? You know, I was offered LaMelo tomorrow. That's, I seriously, they're like, do you want LaMelo on the show? I'm like, slow the train down, slow it down. I don't need all of them, just give it's me like LaVar. Kornheiser, Wobon, and Colin and LaVar. <laughs> These are the two greatest pairings of this century. <laughs> I think I saw that on a blog yesterday. They ranked the top 30 duos in sports. Yeah. Um, are you going to – when's the last time you had him on? I don't, I don't know. Like we're two gonna, weeks ago. Is he coming by? Two weeks ago. My theory on him is I'm not going to judge him as a dad. He got three kids into UCLA. He did, didn't accept all of them, but it's like I, <laughs> my kids couldn't get into UCLA, so I'm not going to – I mean, seriously, it's like I'm not going to – You know, he's a successful father, so – and my second take on him is he's been right a lot. Now, he'll say stupid stuff. And when he does, I'm like, all right, you're in the weeds. Let's get, you know, I'm going to have my said, kids. When play. he said he was mad at the Lakers for not signing all three of his kids to summer league. That's yeah, just, when I'm he, like, I'm not interested in that. Yeah. Well, I told him, I said, by the, and, I, and I remember, I said this a week ago, I said, Lonzo's going to get traded. Because I have a good source, and that's, he's a, they want Lonzo with Drew Holiday. Because it feels big. Lonzo, Zion, Drew, all works. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, no, no. It's going to happen. They would never do that. That's why he was so pissed a week later. So, But that was, to me, good radio. I heard your interview with him. Yes. And you're like an evil genius with him. You're, you're, you're like, LeVar, you were telling people about Luke Walton. You're just you're feeding him chum. You're feeding the shark chum. <laughs> and then LeVar just assassinates Luke Walton for three minutes while you sit there <laughs> smiling your ass off. I am a journalist. That's all I am. No, I'm going to tell you right now, there is no one I have ever heard that is better than Colin at getting the guest to make Colin's previous solo segment sound right. (laughs) (laughs) So if he had on, I'm trying to think of like a good example. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to screw this up off the top of my head. But like if you had, if you were arguing pro Andrew Luck and you were you were talking, all right, yeah, I'll do this. And you had Jim Fossil on to talk some football. And you would say to Fossil, would you agree that you would take Andrew Luck over Danny Cannell every day of the week? Yeah. And Fossil would obviously say yes. And then Colin would be like, I told you. I told you. And it's brilliant because then other people are like, everyone agrees with Cowherd. You're like, well. Is this a criticism? (laughs) No. It's an appreciation. I've got to be honest no. with you. This it's is an appreciation. I feel like you're looking at us like you're being critical. You're not. I'm, I mean, it's a no, magic No, I bring trick. people that disagree. I mean, Baker Mayfield came on, and I knew he was going to disagree. You guys get along well. No, I told I told his people. I'm like, and I said the same thing to T.O., and I, 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 I'm a big believer in this. 
is I, I'm, I told T.O. this. I told Richie Incognito this. I told Baker. I said, talk to Baker's people. I'm going to come right after him. Come back at me. Don't be weak. Fire shots at me. Because my whole point is I've got – you guys are driving around Los Angeles. My job is to keep you in the parking lot and go, damn it. I've got to sit here and listen to the T's. So my, I don't care if I win or lose these things. My job is to be interesting. So when Baker came on, he was great. He could not have been. I'd bring him on tomorrow. I've invited Westbrook on. I'll take anybody. I don't mind. Westbrook's not coming on. Yeah, he's not. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're talking uh, fashion. Right, right. You'd be like, can you come on and talk Tom Ford for 15 minutes? I think the audience likes confrontation. Yeah, no, no, no. There's no debate there. I'm just saying what you do. Like, I think you're taking it. As if we're knocking you for yeah, it. And we're, there's so we're many times. getting defensive. Right. We're right. not defensive. Like you're defensive. Should we get him another drink? How weak we're was that last one? <laughs> do you think you could do what he does every day for as long as he's done I, it? I think it's so hard to talk for nine, ten straight minutes and then just throw it to a break and do the whole coming up. I'm going to tell you yeah. why the Lakers might be trouble for your prostate. Yeah, but you wrote. You're like, what? My prostate? What does my prostate have to do with this? They have to sit in the car for four minutes. You wrote a book. That was literally that thick. Yeah. And 704 I re- pages. I wrote two books, and I was going to title both of them, I Can't Write. <laughs> like, the idea to write a 700-page book. I wrote books that were this thick, and I was laboring over every chapter. I, I don't even understand. You I can- didn't understand it either, and neither did my wife. So <laughs> I don't know. It is just, that, you know, it's like, what was it, the number one basketball book ever sold? I think it is. I don't know. I think it is. It did It did well. Until yeah. LeVar's book comes out. What's that? LeVar's book. Uh, but Ron, you, th- you think you... Go ahead. I was going to say, you have a couple book options now. You have Worst Year Ever. A yeah, compilation year of ever. everybody's worst years. And uh, and Jim Corner. Just gym, gym stories. Stories from the gym. Jim Corner uh, is not getting picked up because... Oh, I disagree. Well, they were like, there's not enough pictures. So... <laughs> But the worst year ever um, franchise, I don't know if you heard about this, but I had a really rough O2. And, um, <laughs> I, I asked him about it. It was at like the hour 35 minute mark of a podcast. And I asked him what his worst year ever was. And a three and a half minute monologue ensued that was just beautiful and really resonated with people. And now when he is out in public, people go, hey, man. 1996, and they just point to themselves. Right. Yeah. It's it's um. You're it the, was, you're the was, world's uh, biggest expert on worst years. No, it's crazy. I was at. This is even like bragging, but I was at Game Four of of the NBA Finals, walking around inside of Oracle, and like Doris Burke comes up to me. She's like, "I'm so glad you made it through 02. <laughs> and then some other guy's just like, "2011, bro." <laughs> And uh, so now I'm thinking about going around to all my famous buddies and just have them bang out a chapter on their worst year. I'll throw my O2 in there and then a little, I don't know, an afterword and then boom. You guys, you know, I don't have to write. You guys just get it from other people. Are you in? Yeah, I got I got grounded for a summer when I was uh, <laughs> 16. for a summer. Because I was playing with I, me and my uh, neighbor, Todd Otterstetter, were playing with matches and oil. <laughs> And we were lighting little fire. When you grow up rurally, this is what you do, okay? So we were playing with matches and oil and starting little fires. And he brought the gas can over. I said, just pour a little seat. So we were like, like lighting these little micro fires. And then all of a sudden, the gas, and it went into the gas can. And I kicked the gas can. And my stepfather worked for the Pacific Utility District. And it went, and I'm not kidding you, 
the burning gas can went right under his Pacific utility truck. And I, and my stepdad, fairly rigid, not a jokester, and I'm thinking, black smoke is coming out, and I'm thinking, this massive $150,000 utility truck is going to explode. It's the biggest fire in my town's history. And my mom's like, you're grounded. And I'm like, for how long? And she's like, the summer. And I'm like, it's April. How can you do that? Like, that we're not even there yet. The whole summer I was grounded. Yeah. And that's how he learned and it how created to talk a huge himself. fissure. Yes. I got on a plane and proposed to my ex-girlfriend. She said no, and she was dating one of my friends. I got banned from all the weddings and then had to go right back to work the next day. So. I, uh. I would have gladly lit a fire all over town. Because uh, if you don't know this about me, I can get in a bit of a funk at times. And that was, uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't awesome to be hanging out with uh, immediately, immediately after that one. Uh, I want to do some Q&A stuff before you guys get moving here. So um, do you want to run that, Surdy? All right. So we'll get that. Why don't we get that s- sorted out here a little bit? Is okay. this streaming or just a podcast? Just a podcast. So it's not live or anything? Well, New. I know we do have to beep them all out, though, so I don't... Still a Disney production, Podcast guys. Let's, is uh, not let's keep it PG-13. Uh, I can't believe ESPN pulled this off. So I didn't ask for permission on this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Now it makes sense. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I really appreciate, you know, because it's, it's been, what, five years, right? Almost five years for me since you were at ESPN? I think four. Three and four almost four, yeah. Almost four? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Time, How many for you? I'm back though. I, I have no issue with anybody. Yeah, you're good again. Yeah, now. I'm good. I'm, I don't know what happened. There was like a year there where I was pro- probably like photos of me in Bristol. Don't let this man in. But now, now I think it's it's much better now. Yeah, my last radio show we had you in is Bill from L.A. Oh, that's right. Right, that was your first time back. Yeah. That was great. I, half no, the people didn't get it. No one got it. It was like a really long-winded. It was great, though. Like you just kept going. On I just and pretended on. to be a caller, and yeah. then nobody got it. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't get in trouble for that one. Um, if you were starting, this is more of a thing. I don't want to get. I don't want to get too into this, but I always think this stuff is really cool with with two guys that that have done it the way you've done it. In that, if you had to start over again today, it would, it would seem exhausting to have to do everything you've done over the last couple decades. Same for you. I don't know if it's easier now or harder to do this. It's easier to get seen. It's much harder to deal with anything good or bad that happens. Because I think social media, and I, I watch it with the people that work for us, I think it's really dangerous. You know, you're getting feedback instantaneously, good or bad. And there's just less room for error. Like when, when Colin and I were in our 20s, we could... I could write it. I wrote for my own website for four years, and if I wrote a shit column or a stupid column, nobody knew about it, or the you know five thousand, ten thousand people knew about it. It wasn't passed around on Twitter, you know, for the outrage society to get pissed off at or whatever happened. Same thing for you, your local radio guy, trying to get better, learning from your mistakes, and that's my biggest fear, especially for the people that work for us. Is you know, it's when you're young and you write, you make the wrong misstep, it could be really damaging. And it's I want people to, like, take chances and try to, you know, get better and, and try to improve on their weaknesses. And if they're out of their comfort zone, I feel like that's a good thing, especially when you're in your 20s. And uh, it's become harder and harder to do that with the way everything's wired. Yeah, there's a real tyranny of the mob with the Internet, and I totally agree with Bill. I think we're muting artists. We're muting funny people. Um, 
I I think and it's, I, you, you know, Jimmy Kimmel's worst cousin Sal uh, Kimmel's you're like guy's best friend and I love Kimmel but I when I watch all these late night hosts I feel like there's certain things places they can't go they have to go and I remember 25 years ago Letterman felt so different than Carson felt so different than Joan Rivers they were all doing unique Arsenio was a complete different show than Letterman and now they're all just smart funny kind of political guys that lean left uh, now I socially lean left so it's you know it's fine but I feel like there's a, a sameness to late night and I always thought the great thing in the 70s and 80s uh, you were watching different shows completely and everybody's there's a sameness happening we're being corporatized uh, you can't say anything you can't take any risks you get shouted down from the rooftops. It's actually an advantage for people who are... For people are, that are already there. Yeah, like yeah. like right now, like you're not going to catch me. I've been on the air 30 years. I have a huge audience. The risks that you'd need to take to catch me, you can't take them anymore. Well, we also know where all the landmines are. Hey, I, my fear is for the younger people who are learning what their voice is. How, how do they learn how to avoid the landmines? And if they hit a landmine... You know, especially comedy. I think comedy is in a really dangerous place now because part of comedy is you got to push the envelope and you got to push the line. And sometimes as you're learning where the line is, you might step over the line and you might go 10% too far. And I think that's okay because the whole goal is you're trying to be funny. This is something that people have been trying to do, you know, since the, since the 500s. Since the 700s. And do you ever go on social media? Like I, I try to, like every year I have a New Year's resolution, and this year, just because of my daughter was going to college and my life was busier, I thought I want to go down to an hour a day screen time. And I was at like three and a half, and I thought I'm going to go to – I'm higher. Yeah. So I, I'm higher too. I'm at like hour 45, and I thought I really want to make – you know, last year it was stop biting your nails. I'm 50. You'd think I would have gotten over that 30 years ago. So every year I have this, and – when I go, it's getting easier not to go on social media because I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Now, I may be generationally out of the, the age group. I just don't get outraged by almost anything. Now, maybe it's because I'm older. I am shocked that on a Saturday morning, it used to be in my life, Saturday, everybody was happy on Saturday morning. Like we all woke up. There was a game on. You could drink early. Sleep late. Sleep late. Cartoons. 42 on a Saturday morning, people are outraged. And I'm like, that's not healthy. And I look and I and I and I look at it and I think to myself, when I'm out in the street, everybody's happy. Who are these people on Twitter that are pissed about everything? And it's almost like it's a second parallel society. People here look happy, you're out. You go to Twitter and it's like, who are these aliens? Who's this upset at 6.42 on a Saturday morning? It's become increasingly easy for me not to go on my phone. It's just an angry, dark place all the time. Do you feel that? We'll be back on old guys from the couch <laughs> after this. Uh, no, I sound no, old. No, I, I deleted Twitter on my phone and I hide it on my iPad. So I go to just post ringer stuff and things like that. Um, I, it's just... It, it just is amazing how much more calming it is when it's not in your life. But right. But what you said, though, about, like, you don't get outraged about anything, we look at it from a different side of, of, um, and we still probably all talk about this too much anyway, but, like, I would never want anyone to have the level of, of outrage where, like, because we're in it, I'm not going to get as mad about other stuff because I wouldn't want it to come back to me if somebody got as mad. Like, it, you could just go back to your stuff from five years ago and you might go, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I even said that. And then it's like, well, things have gone so fast, so quickly that to do this for a living 
and to be an opinion person every single day and to do it on the radio side where every day, like, you used to do it because it was fun, because you like talking about sports. And then it got to the point where I was like, I'm trying to avoid getting fired. And that's that's just weird. I mean, the job ended up becoming, I don't know, I would say different. In a, in a way that some days it was like, oh, so I'm just supposed to be mad about this today. I'm supposed to be mad. Like all these, all these issues that started coming up as topics, like the topic, the topic stuff changed dramatically. The topics, Twitter was driving the topics. And That's you would the hear the hosts, especially the ones that were a little less creative would be like, you know, a lot of talk on Twitter right now about the Lakers and Kuzma. And they'd be like, hey, is there, is that really a conversation people I always like when it was trending in the morning and you'd be like, well, no kidding, it's trending. It's 6 a.m. Eastern and right. nobody Nothing's else happened is, yet. no one else is awake. Yeah. So, um, anyway, okay. Hope you enjoyed that. Stay tuned for our Q and A portion live from Sharks Cove. Did you know your teeth move as you get older? I did. You want to know why? Cause I had braces forever. And you know what I didn't want to be as a dude in college with a retainer. So I stopped wearing it and guess what? They shifted and I thought, Hey, maybe I could get these fixed, but braces. I mean, I know I look good, but. I don't know if I could be an eight instead of a nine with braces at 40. So that's the last thing I'm doing. Then I heard about Candid, the clear alternative to braces, and I'm all in. Candid has an orthodontist who is licensed in your state to create a treatment plan for you and even has a 3D preview of what the final results are like. That's what Candid is doing for me right now. So I got the whole thing sorted out, and uh, they're going to show you, like, look, man, this one's going to go that way, and this one's going to go that way, and you're going to be even hotter. Think about that. Like this is, you can sign up to be hotter today. How many times can you do that in every day of your life? Candid only use experienced orthodontists. Other companies use dental professionals. How sketchy that sounds, whatever that means. But now I've approved my 3D preview. Candid is creating custom clear aligners that will be sent directly to me. That means no hassle of having to go into an orthodontist office. Candid costs 65% less than braces. You can save thousands of dollars and have straighter, brighter teeth in an average of just six months. I'm super excited to get my clear aligners from Candid and begin to fix my teeth. You're one step away from getting straighter, brighter teeth. Learn more at candidcompany.com slash Rosillo. So that's candidco.com slash R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O. Use the code Rosillo at checkout. Get $75 off. That's candidco.com slash Rosillo. Code Rosillo for $75 off. Uh, let's do, uh, we have this ready to go, Suruti? Yeah, let's, all right. So let's get some questions going. If you want to line up by Elizabeth right here, we got a little bit of time left and we'll see if we can get as many as we can. All right, don't be shy. You guys can uh, slowly work your way up here. That'd be awesome if everybody's like, nah, we're good. I think that's fine. You guys hit on every topic. My man, the red. You got one? Keep your name first. Hot mic. My name is Brad. Uh, This question is mainly for Bill here. Wanted to know at what point uh, you decided that Kemba Walker was a much better player than Kyrie Irving. Um, about six hours ago. <laughs> once, so it, once he became a realistic Celtic. Um, I, th- I don't think he's as talented, but I think from a chemistry slash fit standpoint, I would just rather have somebody who's a reliable commodity and a good teammate. I looked at a poll on a local sports radio uh, just station. They ran a poll and they'd be like, "Who would be better for the Celtics this uh, next year?" And it was it was Kyrie or Kemba. It came back ninety six percent Kemba. So it's, it's, that it seems, seems a little high. It seems a little high, but you know, boss is trying to turn the page, I guess, on that. Yeah, go ahead. Alex, our um, last year's Lakers the closest we've gotten to getting Wizards Daily back. People love Wizards Daily, uh, but Wizards Daily is seriously not repeatable. 
Wizards. The Wizards at one point had JaVale McGee, Arenas, Nick Young, Jordan Crawford, Andre Blatch, who used to tweet just out searching for love at 3 a.m. They used to they lose like three games on a road trip, and then another guy would tweet that it was BS that they had to pay a cover charge. I, there was nothing like so people never quite understood. Like Wizards Daily was incredible because we seriously had different Wizards topics from this collection of guys that couldn't have been less team first. And so now anytime anybody's had like a group that's turbulent or whatever, like that 0506 Knicks team would have been yeah. a version with Jalen was on that and about 40 other guys were on that Knicks roster at one point. Stevie City franchise. Um, but yeah, Wizards Daily was really, there's nothing that's ever going to come close to that. So I don't, I don't think we'll ever bring it back. It was a good squad, though. You know, Tommy Shepard I work with. Uh, work with Tommy Shepard was at UNL. My first job. So he's their de facto GM right yeah, now. Yeah, my first job out of college, Tommy Shepard was a big shot at UNLV. And now he runs the Wizards. I've known Tommy Shepard for 30 years. I, it's just, it, if you just Text keep doing stuff for deal. 30 years, right. you've been in you comedy for 30 else. years. If yeah. you just don't become a meth addict, you will eventually <laughs> run into everybody you've ever worked with 30 years later. Um, why don't you take this next one? Because somebody's outside that needs to come in. Who? Bruce Feldman. I'll take, take this one. Take the over on Nebraska. No, I've already bet it. It's a great bet. Under on Auburn, over on Nebraska. Let's hear it for Bruce Feldman. What up, bro? Hey. Fox Sidelines guy's amazing. Ask a question now? Oh, all right, great. Cool. This guy's brought a lot of attitude to this podcast. Yeah. I've noticed about great. three different times. See, for Boston? I mean, dude, you're yeah. dressed like a flood victim. Scale down. <laughs> uh, see, I don't think he's taking, I don't think he's enjoying this, so now I'm worried. Colin, Ryan, Bill, times of your industry. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Where yeah. I don't have to be on hold to, you know, yeah. yell at you on I'm, radio. I'm, I've never been more nice. nervous throughout the broadcast than right now. So, my, my question is, with the Golden State Warriors, we, we've done a lot of NBA stuff. And, you know, like uh, Tim Duncan, he was the number one pick because the, the Admiral was down for a year. Yeah. yeah. The Warriors just max everybody out and then get a great pick. And then just throw the season away? Well, I've, of course. I've heard this. That was a good two, call right there. two all-stars that are off for the entire season and then arrested. The problem is they would still have Curry, who is in legacy mode at this point, and then Draymond in a contract year. So I don't know what you'd do with that piece. I don't think piece. it's a terrible idea. No, I'm with you. I just think you would... Just a gap year for an NBA team? You basically have to talk Strangely, Draymond into it. Strangely, that was a good statement. Well, he, and he left, out, he left out the crucial piece. Everybody's already paid for next season, which... Is You're going into a new arena, teams. just blow through new the arena. Is this your A topic paid. tomorrow? Yeah. No, but I don't think it's terrible. <laughs> bees, maybe the guys the seven gins in, I'm like, you've got my lead tomorrow. <laughs> Not terrible, I've got to be honest with you. You just take what you can get in our industry. Don't care where it comes from. <laughs> He's definitely taking it tomorrow. I can't yes, wait. No, that's right. I can't wait. The, the, the 914 segment. I am. Coming up next, why... <laughs> Gapier in the why Warriors. Why I met the future GM of the Warriors at Sharks Cove. <laughs> Fellas, thanks for uh, taking questions up. I had a question. Colin brought up that Bill Belichick set the standard in Boston. Diehard L.A. Laker fan, so don't take offense, but 
But my buddy is a to- diehard Tom Brady fan. I mean, he'd kiss the ground he walks on. Do you think smart move? Do you think Bill Belichick would be as successful as he is if he didn't have Tom Brady? And then my second question would be the opposite: Would Tom Brady be as successful as he was? Well, Belichick Bill wasn't Belichick? as successful. Well, him. first of all, this is a Hall of Fame dead sports radio topic day, right? Like if it's July 18th, yeah, exactly. And you got right. nothing for when the I show. Got, when co- I co- Coming up next, I'm document. <laughs> when I got into topics. the business, it was Pete Rose, Hall of Fame or not, I'll take your calls. No, remember in the 90s, the best one was Barry Sanders or Emmett Smith. <laughs> Who would you start a team with? And that could go for hours and hours. So this one is fun because, you know, I, I personally think they need each other. But I also think there's a higher chance Belichick would have been successful than Brady. Because I think Whoa. Belichick has figured out a secret sauce with the type of players he he picks, the overall intelligent guy, remember the this salary point. cap, all that stuff. I mostly agree with you, but remember this: none of this works if Brady doesn't take a pay cut. True, Bra- right. Brady's willingness to go, I'm the best ever. I'll be the, I'll be paid less than Ryan Tannehill. None of this works. You can't keep Dante See, I, I would flip this around, though. I would say none of it works if the Crafts hadn't cut him into Patriot Place and all the profits. There we go. On Brady. How do you I, I'm joking. That didn't happen Conspiracy at all. Please don't bill. look that up. Please don't investigate Is that true? That. No, I don't know. I, I always feel like when the guys take the pay cuts, I'm always I'm this, little, like Dirk Nowitzki in Dallas, just like, yeah, here's $10 million back. Take it. Do whatever you want. I, I'm always suspicious. I'm a suspicious guy, though. No, I think you're not wrong. Yeah. I've thought... There's a there's an ex front office person that I worked with that absolutely lost his mind on this topic, um, and and just was like, "Oh right, because that's not shady as hell." Right. It was it was like, well, it's like the hell? Anthony Davis being in Space Jam too, probably making like what Tom Cruise makes for the Seven Mission Impossible movie. You know, if they paid him Trade twenty picker. million to be in Space Jam too, is that illegal? No, I don't know. I mean, it's probably not. That right? seems high. See, but, <laughs> did you see the Brady uh, picture today? No, what was it? Oh, with uh, Huey Lewis? Oh, yeah, no, I saw that. The, uh, the Huey Lewis Brady. looked great, by the way. There was a Brady know. photo today. In, uh, did anybody see it? He, he uh, I don't want to talk about it, actually. Why? What's going on? He looks young. Oh. Uh, that's Dayton Models, though. You know that, Cowherd. No, I think... I think he goes to Europe. I do. I think he goes You're to Europe in the summer and does facelift. stem cell stuff. You're saying facelift. I'm just saying he looks he looks really he good. He got some reseeding done up top. So if you're going to do that and you're going to wear a scarf <laughs> to Brazilian festivals, then you're going to get a facelift too. I don't think he got a facelift. I'm just what, saying You're he saying looked, he looks young? So he looked you, taut. Taut? Oh, taut. Yeah, I mean, fa- pull the face... I don't. Think I think he was, he's saying. Well, that's. I would have answered. I don't face. know what I'm saying. I'm just saying his face looked. It, what if it, he's it, just it happy? Looks, it does. It looks strangely young. It. But it, I, there's a possibility he's an alien. He might not even be a human oh, being. That's totally like he runs yeah. faster than he did 15 years ago. It makes no sense. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I don't know. Now I'm worried. Maybe he's just in a good mood today. Yeah. We'll have more after this. This summer, the best way to discover new wines you're guaranteed to love is with First Leaf, the wine club that uses your feedback to curate wine selections to your unique tastes. Whether you're entertaining company or enjoying a warm summer night at home, First Leaf makes buying great wine 
easy by rating the wines you receive. First Leaf determines your likes and dislikes, and they only send you wines you'll love. This is just really easy. If you haven't done it yet, think about your goals this summer. I'm sure some of it's getting into shape. Maybe you want to visit a place you've never been to before. Maybe you want to, I don't know, apologize to a family member that you've long overdue. How about you get better at picking out wines? That's way easier than the other stuff I just listed. I started by taking First Leaf Wine Quiz to assess my exact wine drinking preferences from sweetness to wine styles to even how adventurous I'm trying in new wines. They learned all about what I like. First Leaf then created an introductory six-pack of wine for me and Saruti and all for just $29.95. Seriously, an introductory six-pack of wine for $29.95. These wines normally go for like 20 bucks a piece. When my bottles arrived, I tasted, rated them on lines, through to the same deal. First Leaf took the ratings, selected new wines based on my taste for my next shipment. My curated shipments just keep getting better. Try First Leaf Wine Club today. We're buying great wine is simple. Sign up with my link and you'll get an exclusive intro offer. Six bottles of wine for only $29.95 plus free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash Rosillo, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O. That's six bottles of wine for only $29.95 plus free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash Rosillo. Shocked slash disappointed to see wearing some sleeves tonight. Um, didn't expect that. No. So I'm glad That's you crazy. noticed. Yeah. I, I did immediately. Uh, I have a bad injury in my right elbow, which I oh, cannot gym figure corner. out. And I have uh, not done upper body in like three weeks. Oh my god! So it's an eternity. Yeah. yeah, we put them on. We're doing a lot of legs. Hope you noticed that. <laughs> um, these are a. A, a custom trim on the, from the cap down. But, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm wearing sleeves. It was a little, it was a little cloudy out, but yeah, I'm dealing with a massive right elbow injury that I'm, I'm convinced I'm going to tear a ligament at some He point. still thinks so he's a max guy though. I'm actually pretty depressed about it, but thank you for getting me down that road and cheering me up. You're not sitting next to a Bushman in a uh, long, so you look pretty good. Next I'm bigger than Chris Long up top. That's, that's not, yeah. No. I'm just saying. He he saw me in my house with my shirt off. Was like, "What are you on, dude?" And I'm like, "Boredom and intensity." <laughs> Collins a gym guy. Ray Lewis in 2012. Said <laughs> <laughs> 2012. Yeah, sorry. Uh, do you have a follow up? Because I hope not. <laughs> I have actually two, but um, okay. Chris Paul, I've always been a big Chris Paul defender too. What do you guys think about it's it? A t- it's, it's tough for us right now, man. It's tough. I like him, but... Uh, like him a lot. He's hard. And he's you can sense a little bit of desperation. He knows his the wheels are coming off. You can sense he's he's a little... He's Kyle Lowry with more talent. He's impossible to watch. Kyle Lowry is just aggravating to watch. Chris Paul became, to me this year at the end, hard to watch. Manipulating the refs. He's always done that, but when you're putting up those numbers, you could kind of get yeah, away with it. And now, him, yeah. you're right. I mean, I love him, but I find it annoying to watch him do some things. But the Lowry comp is actually pretty good because as much as Lowry kind of redeemed himself a bit, there are moments where he's a hard like, watch. Oh my God. Like Lowry would whip the ball out of bounds on purpose and immediately point the other way. <laughs> Short NBA players do not age well. It's just a fact. If you if you go six feet and under, once they hit thirty three, thirty four, it's a pretty fast decline. And it's actually the same for tall, for super tall guys. Kareem was really the only guy over the age of like thirty five, thirty six who was that tall 
who is able to still be good. For the really short, the really tall, it doesn't end well usually. Hyper-athletic point guards that don't shoot well, Wall, Westbrook, like don't have natural shooting touch, it always ends ugly because you have to score at the rim. Yeah. You get knocked to the ground. The Westbrook end is going to be weird. That's going to be a weird one. Yeah. Cause, mm. I mean, if you put Steven Adams on the block, you're largely acknowledging, listen, we're not winning a title with this group. I'm not paying the luxury tax. Right. I mean, that was an admission that – we see what everybody else does. We're fun. We sell the arena out. We're not really competitive. Yeah, we actually have a, a in-name superstar, which is I think. Rosillo and I were the first people to talk about putting Stephen Adams on the block, and we became the lead story in New Zealand. And it was probably my career highlight of 2019. They, they were, were leading, leading newscasts, yeah, not sportscast, like six o'clock news. And yeah. then we tried to do a New Zealand thing, and mine ended up like we tried to do bad accents, but yeah, it was, we it was bad. It was it was American sports pundits. <laughs> think Stephen Adams might be on the block, and it turned out we were right. So that was big. Yeah, we're big in New Zealand. Yeah. Hey, guys. So we're at a great bar, Shark's Cove right now. I think we have two former bartenders on stage. I don't know about Colin's history. No. Nope. You bartended too? Once upon a time. There we go. So I was just I'm still looking up to pick up a shift, depending on this yeah. wall. So. Wait, that's why I think don't rule Ryan up, out. right? Happy hour at Shark's Cove for Ryan on Tuesdays. Um, so just wondering, that would be work great. A, dude, I'm gonna work on Friday. Like a Sam Malone type thing. Yeah, that'd be great. You gotta start somewhere. I'm not starting on Tuesdays, dude. Yeah, it's, a, it's a start. So, uh, just wondering, uh, go to drink and then drink that you would judge people on. And then I've heard your bar stories, but I haven't heard one of Bill's on any of the podcasts before. I, Pinot Grigio to me is the deal breaker. That, so for anybody. For, really for anybody. I mean, for, if a dude gets a Pinot Grigio, I'm out, but. <laughs> Um, but for, for the ladies too, it's just such a gross wine. It's so, it's like you might as well just take water and put a shot in it or something. It's How about bad. Long Island iced tea? Like that oh, usually that guy's we, an alcoholic. That's yeah, that, so sad. Or cheap. Like when I used to bartend at a place where it was Long Island and then I used to always laugh when it was like, hey, Long Island, no sour. And you're like, so you just want four well liquors that taste like crap <laughs> with a soda floater. It's awful. And then like it, whenever somebody would do like no sour or no ice, you're like, you know, that doesn't mean twice as much booze. And people like think, no, no, no. My friend at the mall told me about this. And then. You're like, I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to get like two pint glass of just straight We're, liquor no, the, for 16 so, bucks tonight, and you're going to be hammered, and then you'll have only bought two drinks. Or you could grow up like the rest of us and run a tap. If, you, if you're in a crowded bar where it's hard to get a drink, the best thing you can do is order simple drinks. Because the bartender will look at you and be like, oh, cool, that's the vodka soda Simple guy. Drink I guy. can make that in 10 seconds, and he's always going to look out for you. And then if you're tipping every time... You know, in a crowded bar, you, those are the two things you're looking for because you're, you, it's frantic, you're fast. Always leave a big tip up front. Yeah, first one. Right. Set the tone. Good first impression. Now, yeah. Here's a, I had a theory. The first thing I ever did on syndicated radio that a boss liked was this topic. I said, if you're a guy, you can never, on a crowded night at a bar, order a margarita. It's a terrible move. The guy is struggling. He's making drinks. He's nine deep. And you're like, grab the mixer. And, yeah. I, and I did this whole... You know Especially who, you know with Agave taking off now, You know who too. liked it? Trog. He's like, it's a great topic. Run with it. And I said, there are certain things you can't do to guys. And I'm like, you can't walk into a crowded bar to a bartender and ask him to go get the blender. Like, you were a bartender... It's just not a great guy move. No, but the blender's an, it's an offensive it. act. It's 
<laughs> it really it, it's is. It's a hostile act. <laughs> Coming it's up tomorrow on The Herd, which whiskeys to stay away from? Simple. I got a lead and a first tease yeah. block. Yeah. Yeah. Be the simple vodka soda guy. There you go, guys. I'll be writing this down. Hi, guys. Thanks for having all of us. Appreciate you being here. Um, two things. One, want to give Cousin Sal some love. Love that guy. Love it's, you. I had no idea he was coming. This is amazing. I can't believe you haven't f***ed with this podcast at all. There's a popcorn machine. There's all these things you could do. Yeah, I'm worried. And number two, I was wondering if I could do a lightning round where, gun to your head, each one of you pick uh, free agents and where they might go. Okay. This sounds terrible. Uh, how many? I mean, I got seven-ish. All right. I'll be fast. All right, so will we. All right. Beverly. Beverly? Patrick, Patrick Beverly. <laughs> Beverly, my mom. Patrick Beverly. Uh, whoever has $15 million for two years? <laughs> I would say that he feels I actually think the Lakers, Lakers Yeah, he feels Lakers-ish. Lakers, I would vote Lakers. Paul Millsap. I think he stays in Denver. Ugh. If they can't, you know, I heard a weird one on, on Denver where they kicked the tires. Toby? Harris, no, Harrison Barnes. Oh. So you know what I'm saying? Like, strike out on all the other guys, but then go, okay, we get it. He's probably not worth this. But he's – I mean, Harrison Barnes now has become this guy that's almost underrated, I think. I agree. Um, but he'll still be paid way more world with champion. all the cap space. Good chemistry guy. Working yeah, right. Young yeah. players. Much yeah. much like the yeah. NBA player. You add okay. an actual like other guy that consistently can not score a ton, but the drop-off from two to the third score from Denver, that would actually make sense. He's an adult. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. D'Angelo Russell. That one's all over the place. Huh? Yeah, How would you feel if he was your starting point guard for the Celtics? I'd be excited. I like D'Angelo oh, Russell. God, really? <laughs> yeah. Why not? He was good last year. Why? What? Oh, he was. He had a horrible reputation with the Lakers. Terrible. He was like 15 years old. <laughs> oh, he's, he's 17 he's now. He's 22. He oh. was, a, by all accounts, a great teammate in Brooklyn. I think he's good. With Brad Stevens. I mean, I you know, I think I thought he was unfairly maligned. Where basically the Lakers were like, you know, who we got to protect here? Nick Young. <laughs> Nick Young's super important over the guy that we drafted second a year and a half ago. Um, I like Russell. I could see him in Minnesota or Phoenix, I think, would be my two picks. Minnesota seems to be the one picking up um, They're a desperate lot. for a yeah. guard. like that one. They need, to, they need to figure it out, too, before the extensions kick in. Horford? Dallas. <sighs> I think it's New Orleans. God, that'd be great. Uh-oh. I'm going to... I'm going to have one. You, you, you were taken aback by that. Bill was so confident just now, I, I feel like he just... That was a big scoop. But that's what they need. If you had Horford and Drew Holiday, then all the picks work. Adult Horford you can put with literally anyone. Yeah. And I mean, but the numbers that he's going to end up getting, I don't blame the Celtics for being like, are you serious? Okay, later. Me neither. Middleton. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Butler. Ooh. Houston, right? I don't believe the Houston thing. I think that's wishful thinking from Houston. Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia has to resign him. Yep. That's an, another team that does this is Miami. We're like they're in on everyone. Miami's, none of them. Miami's really in on Jimmy Butler. It's like they have no cap space until like 2035. Um, they're not in. Nobody's going there. But uh, I would say Philly. Whiteside just picked up his uh, option in case anybody was wondering yeah. if that was going to happen. Shocker. Uh, does Clay leave the Warriors? No, no, no. And then does KD now because the injury stay? No. Should. Sorry. Should. Yeah, he doesn't stay. Yeah, I don't get it. I just don't understand it. 
I would never. If I were him, I'd be like, yeah, it's good management, good money. Why? That's okay. Would you do this? Would you trust Golden State enough if they said to you, "We'll give you five years, and if it doesn't go the way you want it to in a year, you have our word. We'll we'll look to trade you." Yeah, I trust them. You would. Yeah. That would be like an unprecedented amount of faith to be like, I'm going to trust the organization will trade at worst. Like I think the ethically, best I trust them. Okay. I trust them. Everybody wants to be the guy. Golden State is Curry's team. It's always going to be Curry's team. And at some point, he's Durant's going to want a team. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Hi there, uh, Sal from Manhattan Beach. <laughs> By the way, I spoke to the sports guy for 40 minutes on the phone yesterday, and you didn't tell me you were coming here. I, I live three kids. I, I could hit my house with a rock. From, I could hit all six of Colin's I'm sorry. I could hit a rock from here, and you don't tell me. That's a but, bad job. We have right. three kids. I, I, you're I a dad. You have, I yeah. go out. Everybody has three kids. But it's not a question. This is more of a tribute to Ryan. This is right the, the genius that Ryan is for bringing these two together. These two despised each other <laughs> for many, many years. Colin and Simmons, and I heard it from both sides. Colin's like, Simmons won't call me back. Simmons's like, I'm not going on that show. Here they are together, and it's all because of Ryan Rosillo. Let's hear it for him. That yeah. Wow. Woo. <laughs> that might be a good one to end on. And, yeah. And uh, screw you, Simmons, for making us bet $2,000 on Durant going to the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was more. <laughs> Do you guys want to end with that? What, what was your biggest beef between each other? No, we I always got along. We never had a. Beef. We did. We would do we would do radio for like an hour, an hour and a half. I never had a. I don't yeah. have any beef. No, my only beef. If is, I like people's work, I like them. No, my only beef was that Colin has created this like bizarre toy house studio. Where he's sitting way above the guest. Yeah. And the guest goes, and the guest is like this little Lilliputian as Lord <laughs> Colin lords over them and looks down and is superior to him. And I'm like, I'm not sitting on your stupid toy uh, house By couch. the way, you're not wrong. I didn't – I'm not a carpenter. I didn't make the set. I, I think you did say like – can you just make me much larger and taller than the guest? <laughs> it was did. definitely something that happened. But I, I respect the fact that you understood the architecture and you didn't like the imagery of it. You didn't like the optics of it. I, I, I just would like to be on equal footing when I do media with you. Yeah, right I, now we're, our chairs are I, the I same size. Say, he knows. I talked to you about this. If I like somebody's work, remember the old Seinfeld thing? Like if you were a comedian, if you don't like the comedian's act, you can't be friends with a comedian. Right. If I like somebody's work, I'm into the guy. I'm always available to come on and argue with you on the show, but I, I would call in though. Well, I got Lavar booked tomorrow. Hey, Lavar, <laughs> Lamelo on Friday. Um, it means a lot, though. Seriously, uh, knowing you guys for a while, and then getting to move out here and 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 um, you know talk to Colin all the time, work with Bill, and uh, we'll see what we'll see what happens in the future here. But thanks again to Colin, Bill for coming down, and thanks to everybody for coming out. Yeah, more importantly, all you guys coming down, selling this thing out in minutes. I'm going to hang out, and uh, I'll stay here until we get every last picture done. So whatever you guys need. Um, it's a Tuesday, so if you bring me up a shot of rumple mints, you're not going to get a picture. Um, I don't want any rumple mints ever for the rest of my life. And for whatever reason, whenever I come to this bar, people seem to buy rumple mints, and I'm just going to tell you right now, it's not happening. Uh, but make sure you subscribe to the Rosilla Show podcast. And thanks again to Colin and Bill. And thank you guys. Tip the guys on the way out.